Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and we are in our very exciting last hour of our very um, exciting one child challenge. We want as many people as hearing my voice to say, I want to become a child champion. I'm going to go to myfaithradio.com and find a beautiful child that God is uh, leading me to sponsor. And you can do that right now at myfaithradio.com. I encourage you to do so. I have uh, Dr. Scott Todd with me in studio. He is the president of One Child, and I'm awfully honored to have him in studio. Scott, welcome. Thanks, Bill. It is great to be here with thank, you. Thank you. Now, let's just start by saying we can sort of commiserate because we're a couple of guys that have two first names. Yeah. <laughs> well, both of them work, right? Both of them work, but how often did you get called is it it's it's Todd, Todd Scott? Yeah, la- last name's Todd, but I get called Todd all the time, sometimes Scott. And then for some strange reason, if they're going to call me something that isn't one of those two, it'll be Steve. <laughs> I have nothing to do with, I have nothing to do with Steve. Yeah. Now, when I was a kid, I thought it was because I had an older brother named Steve, and they thought it was you know, oh. my brother. But it went on decades later. And people who had no idea what my brother was, I was still Steve to them. So it it's all good, whatever. Yeah, because, you know, they see these two first names in the comma in the middle, and you go, do I have this right? Yeah. Is it Scott Todd or Todd Scott? It's Scott Todd. I know that because <laughs> I'm a professional radio yeah. person, and I, I I was going to make sure I knew. But it's Dr. Scott Todd, and I'd love to hear about your background in medicine. Yeah, I uh, began in oncology and immunology. Okay. So um, I was at the University of California uh, in San Diego in immunology, and then at Bummer. Stanford University Medical Center in oncology. Yeah, I uh, went on from that to uh, work in a cancer center and had research programs, um, and uh, we had grants from the National Institutes of Health, American Cancer Society, publishing papers and, and that kind of stuff in, in medical discovery. Uh, filed for the treatment of hepatitis C, a patent. And um, in the middle of all of that, uh, God interrupted me and uh, called me, literally a phone call, actually. A guy called me and he said, um, hey, this might be out of the blue, but have you ever considered working for kids in poverty around the world? And it was a rare moment in my life where I knew this is it. And I honestly, I couldn't speak. What happened was I I like locked up. My brain is going, you're going to do this or God's speaking that into me somehow. And out of my mouth was nothing. And then it turned into like babble. And and then I finished. Honestly, I don't even know what I told this guy. But then I started thinking, I'm going to do this. What will she say? My wife, who's Mm -hmm. moved 14 times in our 15 years of marriage. And I just, you know, we had just purchased land and built our home in the country. And we started having a family and we moved back to the Midwest, you know, from California. So all that's going on. And yet I knew this is the voice of God to me. And so I was ready and I told Bethany and kind of sheepishly, like a little tail between the legs, like we won't believe the call I got today. And she just lit up like a Christmas tree. She was so excited about it. And and so that's when I knew really is the calling. Then I talked to my pastor and he said, it makes no sense. I talked to my dad and he said, that makes no sense. I talked to my closest friends, same thing. And every time they tried to tell me, no, that doesn't make sense for you. This is the way walk in it. That's all I was hearing. And so I came to this simple understanding that if you know what God is calling you to do, 
You just do it. You can't get out your pros and cons or your decision, you know, be faithful to do whatever it is God is calling you to do. And he will take you on an adventure of faith that you can't even imagine. And that's been my story for the last 20 years. So for 20 years now, I've been serving kids in poverty around the world. And uh, it has been amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm hearing Abraham saying, here I am, Lord. Here I am. to be available. Yeah, Yeah. that's fantastic. Uh, Dr. Scott Todd is my guest, president of One Child. And if you have been to the website, you have seen these beautiful children that are uh, needing sponsorship. And I know maybe you've taken missions trips in the past. Maybe you've had experiences of being in extreme poverty. Uh, Maybe you've never gone on a short-term missions trip. You can have a portable missions trip starting today because you can sponsor a child who is living in a another country and you can start communicating with that child and you can start developing a relationship and watch them grow and watch them uh, mature and watch them become young men and women. Uh, hopefully will they'll come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I always love talking about the Hope Centers because that seems like such an exciting topic. It's, uh, it's the place, uh, both physically, it's a location, but it's also um, the space in which these kids um, receive protection and opportunity and develop the, um, the fundamentals of hope. A lot of people think of hope as kind of a soft word. Um, it's like a marketing word or something. I think it's used a lot. I mean, I bought hope hummus. It's in my refrigerator. But <laughs> to mm-hmm. us, hope uh, is an incredibly important life-sustaining um, value and mindset, both. Yeah. And so when you think about 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love, we talk a lot about faith, right? We talk a lot about love and four different types of love. We don't tend to talk as much or as seriously about the role of hope in our lives. What kind of hope is there that um, is, is to be at that level? What is that doing? And I can tell you from the perspective of kids living in poverty that when you face adversity, when you have an alcoholic uncle who's abusing you, when you have a gang uh, in the streets that is threatening you all the time, when, when there is no opportunity, it becomes difficult to believe that a better future is possible. Yeah. It becomes difficult to see a way out. In fact, one of the neighborhoods that we work in in the Dominican Republic is called Salsipuedes, which means there is get out if you can is mm-hmm. how they interpret it locally, but there's no way out. That's what despair is. Despair is not seeing a way out. So people think, okay, hope is like that vision for the better future, which is true, which is true. You can't get to a hoped-for future without having a vision for that future. But there's a second part to it, and that is a way to get there, a way to get there. A lot of people can see a better future, but they don't see any way to get there, and that is not hope. Why? That's just wishful thinking. That's just a dream and fantasy. It doesn't create action. Hope creates action because, yes, you can see the better future and you believe there's a way to get there. There's something you can do. But here's the third thing. If you see a better future and there's action that you can take to get there, there's still something that happens. A lot of people don't take that action. Why? I mean, even right now, somebody listening has a dream, has a vision for a better future, even knows what they need to do to get to that better future or to break free from whatever they're trapped in, but they don't take the action. And the reason why they don't, they labeled it, Something, but the real label is fear. Afraid of failure, afraid you'll run out of money, afraid they'll laugh at you, afraid for some reason there's fear. So hope is three things together, a vision of a better future, a way to get there, and the courage to try. And that is the engine 
that these kids need to be able to climb out of poverty. And they and I've seen it over and over. The Hope Centers are places where kids thrive and they laugh and they play and they learn and they begin to believe that God is real and a loving father who is with them and who has a plan for the life. And they go out and pursue those God-given things, those things that God put on their heart. And they become teachers and law enforcement officers that aren't corrupt. And every, you know, they transform society. But more importantly than that, they do that because they've learned to walk with Jesus. And that's really at the core of what a Hope Center is all about. Yeah, I love the words you chose, uh, Scott, which the, one of the first words that surfaced was uh, protection. And I'm sure some of these neighborhoods are extremely dangerous. And there's plenty of predatorial type people in the neighborhoods that if they don't get to a safe place, they could go down another road very quickly. That uh, is actually um, a constant threat and I a bet. tragic situation. Um, it's what will cause me to have a breakdown right here if I think I about it. it. It's why we fight. Kids are being exploited, um, trafficked. They're drawn into bonded labor, and um, it happens. The root issue is the vulnerability created by poverty, but then the lack of family structure. Um, those things um, create that vulnerability, and those predatory uh, experiences that, that kids have to face are very real. And so by getting kids into relationship. By having a local loving child champion, a coach, a teacher, a tutor, somebody who knows that kid, having that child regularly attend the Hope Center, there's a, uh, it, it is, it's like a halo of protection, not just when you're at the center, but simply by being known. And we train these kids in the risks. So child protection mm-hmm. is, a, is a central part of the program, and we make sure that they understand what they can do to stay safe, even in those threatening environments. Yeah. I'm talking to Dr. Scott Todd. This is our last live hour of our hope that you will sponsor a child at at, uh, One Child. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com and look at these beautiful children that have dreams and that they hope one day they can, because of education and the love of Jesus, they can uh, go out and make a wonderful life for themselves and to thrive. Because when you are caught in extreme poverty, uh, it's not an easy cycle to break. Absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk a little bit more about the the Hope Centers, and they're partnering with local churches, aren't they? That's so right. There's, there's, this is a well-equipped machine, isn't it? it? Well, it's a model that we've been working on for decades, yeah. literally. And, and through those decades of experience, we've shaped it to be a, an experience where uh, it starts with a vision. So we have a national leader. For example, in Honduras, there's a Honduran leader who's going to sit down with pastors and hear from these pastors, what's the vision that you have for your community? And in some of those cases, they really have a passion to reach the youth, right, or to, to help kids. Mm-hmm. And so we continue that conversation. Sometimes this process will take us two years before we'll agree to form a partnership with nice. a local church. You have to have relationship and trust. And we're also looking for, um, it's what we call emerging. It's the stage where that vision is actually showing up as this is what's being done with local resources, it's not about bringing in money from outside. It's about what can you do with what God has given to you already? What's in your hands? And so they may be meeting with kids under a tree or they may, but, but they're doing something because we're, we're not a big franchise thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's about local ownership. So where we find that local leader with passion, he or she will have mobilized child champions. Those are the people who work with the kids and know those kids by name and know what's going on in the home and all that. Those people are the core of the program. A lot of, you know, we have a program manual and it's 80 pages long and it has all these requirements and stuff. And I always tell our program guys, look, our program comes down to one thing, serve the champion so the child may thrive. Mm -hmm. People are the program. 
if we can equip that teacher, support that teacher, make sure she has whatever she needs, as she's the one who's demonstrating love and knows the real gritty realities she has to face. She's scared because she's walking down that alley wondering why Jose didn't come to the Hope Center today. Why is she scared? Because there's gangs? Because Jose's uncle's known to be an alcoholic who steals? I mean, there's so much they have to face. Our job is to come alongside of those local heroes and equip them so that those kids can thrive. That's our program model, all around partnership with the local church. Yeah. Dr. Scott Todd, God has really gotten a hold of you. That is <laughs> yes, very, has. very evident. Yes. I'm, 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 I'm kind of blown away by you and um, by what I have learned. And I sponsored a, a child last year, and he's a little boy from Cambodia. And it's uh, an amazing experience. And wow. if you are in a place where you you say, yeah, it's my turn now. I, I want to step up and also sponsor a child. Go to MyFaithRadio.com. And you can look over these beautiful children. Maybe you'll find a commonality with one of them. Maybe you'll sh- it'll share a birthday or maybe there'll be some similarity with th- this young person's life and maybe your life when you were young. And you can uh, say, yes, I want to be a, uh, a child champion and I want to sponsor that child. And if you've already come to that conclusion, yay. You can call 800-864-0200. Again, 800 864 0200. We're going to take a short break and I'll be right back with Dr. Scott Todd from One Child in just a minute. One moment. One moment. One child. One child. When I came to One Child, I was eight years old. Our income was very, very, very few. Uh, Things were not convenient to leave, I mean, economically in our home. It was difficult to pay school fees and to cover a lunch, a breakfast, a dinner. When I grew up in here, God taught me a lot of things. Not to be religious and uh, remember God every other Sunday. God taught me to, to remember him every day, to remember his mercy every day, to remember his love every day. But God did it a lifestyle to me in here. God was doing his job especially in my heart. I love that story. Her name is Hiwat, and she is now a graduate from one of our Ethiopian Hope Centers. Now, because of a sponsor, her world completely changed. And today, she is thriving as a young adult. She met God in a very real way at the One Child Hope Center. Her family brought her to the Hope Center because of their physical and financial need. But in her words, God was doing his job on her heart. She now wants to include God into her every day. She has a bright future and a heart for God. Sponsoring a child does make a difference. My guest is Dr. Scott Todd. He's the uh, president of One Child. And just during the break, uh, Scott, we were talking about uh, there is nothing inconsequential in God's economy. And you got into sponsorship because you saw a poster. That's right. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was. It was 1989. Okay, <laughs> back in the day, um, I was a student on a college campus, walking down the campus sidewalks, see this poster. This poster has a picture of a kid living poverty, and it says, "Change the life of a child." And now, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and I was just naturally a very cynical kid, uh, and I'd never been out of the U.S. And I remember walking up to this poster and thinking. Uh, that's a scam. You know, that's <laughs> just one of those things to try to make you give money because, you know, make you feel guilty, all that stuff. Honestly, it was almost a minute of standing there before I, I asked myself, I'm, I'm arguing with a poster. Why did I even stop? <laughs> and then I had this moment where I just said, God, do you want me to do this? I felt compelled in that moment 
I'm going to do this. So I reach out. I pull off the reply card. A few weeks later, I get this packet in the mail. It's a picture of a little four-year-old boy in the Dominican Republic. His name is Juan Bautista Farias Mora. And I'm like, where's the Dominican Republic? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even know where that was. So that's where my journey began. I uh, didn't know much about my world, didn't care much about my world. I was very self-absorbed and cynical. Um, and God introduced me to Juan Bautista in the Dominican Republic. And so over the years, I got married and my wife and I would write him letters and uh, we'd get pictures and see him grow up, and then we'd sponsor more kids. And during that season, I was in medicine, so I was in oncology and immunology for that uh, for that period of time. And uh, fast forward about 15 years from that moment, and um, I had a different encounter where somebody gave me a call, a literal phone call, and uh, he's uh, you know this is at the peak of everything going on in medical research for me. He says, um, "Have you ever considered working for kids in poverty?" And it was a similar kind of sudden encounter. I felt compelled. I, I couldn't talk. I was sort of stuck with this. In me was a message. Mm. You will be doing this. Like I knew. I knew the answer I should be giving this guy is yes. But out of my mouth was anything. But I was just going to babble on. And then I went home and I talked to my wife. And she was very excited about it. And I thought, okay, here we go. And so... We left the career in medicine and, and everything that was going really well there. Well, next thing that happens after they offered me this, and this is in relational ministry. My, I told him I'm a scientist. Everybody knows we got no relational skills, so this doesn't make <laughs> sense. But, uh, but the, the, my new boss um, said, um, hey, we're going to have a conference. Uh, it's in the Dominican Republic. And I said, I know where that is. And, she's, and, and I said, you know, the first boy I ever sponsored, he's in the Dominican. Is there a chance I might be able to meet him? And she said, is he still in the program? I said, uh, no, he probably graduated a few years ago. She gave me like 10 reasons why it probably wasn't going to work out to meet him. So I'm down there at this conference, and this guy comes up to me, and he says, are you Scott Todd? I said, yes. He said, um, Juan Bautista is coming here tomorrow. Oh, my. He became a Christian two days ago. Oh, oh my. Next day, this little van pulls up, and there's 75 of us at the gathering. So some of them are currently sponsoring oh. little kids. These little kids are getting out of the van all wide-eyed and kind of like, the sponsor is real. And you look over here, and all these sponsors are standing there wide-eyed going, the kid is real. It's a very cool moment when sponsors actually meet their kid. And the last person to get out of that little van is this good-looking 19-year-old young man, Juan Bautista, holding in his hands the letters that I had written him over those 15 years. You're killing years. me now. You're just killing me. And it was a, <clears throat> an incredible day where God allowed me to spend that day with Juan. And I said, Juan, what happened two days ago that you decided to become a Christian? He said, I never thought you would come. He had, as, his, as a child, he had prayed that his sponsor would come and visit him. Wow. And he said that when I heard you were coming, I prayed to receive Christ. Now, I got to sit there with him and hear his story and uh, all the vision and dreams that he And when I think about that whole thing, Somebody put up a poster, and it completely changed my life. I don't know why, but I picture this to be a little old lady, you know, who just wanted those college kids to do something with their life, and she was going around and putting up this. I don't know who did it, but that's what I imagine. She has no idea. Wow. She has no idea. So that one small act of faithfulness completely changed my life. And now God's led me to a place where I'm serving an organization that serves 50,000 kids. And that's why I'd say to people, never underestimate what God can do through your small act of faithfulness. He is a miracle worker. If we just stay in alignment with his will and do what he's called us to do, ask that one simple question, God, do you want me to do this? 
and listen to that prompting. Scott, I'm convinced. Uh, so what's next? Oh, I got an idea. Go to MyFaithRadio.com and make it your decision today to say yes to sponsoring a child. Look at these beautiful, beautiful children. And you're going to have a God's going to lead you to a child, whether it's a young boy or a young girl. And you can start this uh, beautiful relationship with this child, making a significant difference in their life. They will be able to go to the, the One Hope centers. They'll be able to get some food and fresh water and medical help and clothing and some mentoring. And they're going to hear about the love of Jesus. And it's going to be transformative for them. And you are going to be uh, at the center of helping them do that. Um, these very vulnerable children, you can see and learn all about them at MyFaithRadio.com. Dr. Scott Todd is my guest, and he is the president of One Child. And that story has just kind of taken my breath away. It's just it's God's story beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you. And you know it's beautiful. I mean, if I called a Hollywood scriptwriter and I said, here's my idea, they'd be all over it. Well, God's the best scriptwriter there is, I guess. He, he is. <laughs> you know. And I experienced that day as such an affirmation because after leaving the previous career, um, there was a lot of looking back of like, did that, what am I, you know, what am I doing here? It's a real change in life. Yeah. And that moment I thought, okay, God, it's all worth it. You know what? Honestly, we'd like to see ourselves as the kind of person where the house is on fire and there's a kid inside that we would have the courage, right, to run in there to grab that kid. And yet here I am thinking, okay, I left this, I left that career. I didn't have to run inside a burning building and risk my life. Yeah. I just had to be faithful to do what God called me to do. And if if and I told I told myself at that time if all God intended here was that somehow through this he was going to restore Juan Bautista to himself. He was going to save Juan, mm. you know, for eternity, then it would be worth it. And then uh, you know, on from there. Yeah. So, Scott, when you're like on a plane and and you've got some time, do you ever look at uh um, medical journals, or do you read medical news? I have not. You're a scientist. Uh, so, you're yeah, a doctor. Long background. Does that, that interest you still? Oh yeah, it yeah. does. I mean, I loved medical research. I loved what we were doing. Yeah. Um, it's been great to see the progress against some of the diseases um, that I, you know, was was close to. Most of my stuff was in cancer. Um, we've seen progress there, but honestly, when you look at the billions of dollars that we spend on um, medical interventions, and and then and this was especially true when God called me into working with kids in poverty. At that time, 30,000 kids were dying every day from hunger and preventable disease. Mm -hmm. And it's not something we need to research for. We don't have the resources. It's just a, it's a matter of will. Will we deploy resources for the sake of those kids? Yeah. Um, and so the calling involved a lot of things, included that kind of more logic about what's the most strategic thing to do. Um, but, yeah, I, I think until COVID hit, I, I really didn't look back. I didn't look at the career in medicine and stay connected with that world once COVID hit, there was a lot to do with immunology, and there were a lot of social policies that were troubling to me, yeah. uh, and that's that uh, reactivated some of my engagement. I began speaking about virology uh, sure. to some audiences, but thankfully, we're on the other side of that now. So Yeah, we'll be right back with Dr. Scott Todd. You can help one child right now that is living in extreme poverty. You can sponsor a child. Go to MyFaithRadio.com or call 800-864-0200. This is our last hour of our one child. Uh, uh, we're so excited about this. We'll be right back. We have had conflicts and we have had refugees 
for decades. We have Palestinian refugees, Iraqi refugees, Syrian refugees. But the problem is that when you have all these refugees coming together, you know, how do you deal with these children? How do you deal with all of these different backgrounds, different cultures, different way of thinking? Yes, they're all Middle Eastern, but each one has their own idiosyncrasies and special trends. So we have to navigate through all of these things. Unfortunately, in the West, we are too focused on wanting to help only one part or one, one country in that region, and that's Israel. And we have no problem with that. We want to support Israel and bless the Jewish people. How do we do that? How do we bless Israel the best way we can? Sponsor an Arab child. Well, did you catch that? You can sponsor a child that's living in the Middle East right now by going to MyFaithRadio.com. Wow. What if the child you sponsor one day turns into a leader or influencer that will help to bring about change in the Middle East? What if you just change one child's life? Instead of them becoming an extremist, they become an instrument of peace and of God's love. You can sponsor a child right now. Look at these beautiful, beautiful faces. Children living in extreme poverty. They need a child champion, and that means they need you. $39 a month makes all the difference. My guest is Dr. Scott Todd. He's the president of One Child. And this is a, a, an incredibly exciting couple of days that we've had here at uh, Faith Radio. And, and today is the, the last live hour. I'm sure there'll be plenty of podcasts that you'll hear tonight. And if you're listening to a podcast and it's late at night, hope you had a good day. And we are so excited that there there are so many children that are available to be sponsored. A lot of kids have been sponsored, but many, many more still need your help. So you can go to MyFaithRadio.com. Not to repeat myself over and over, but I do want you to go there and look at these faces. Look at these beautiful, beautiful children who many are very vulnerable and very much in need of help. And they are connecting uh, through the hope centers in their country and they're learning uh, what it's like to be a child of the king. And they're getting some food and fresh water, medical attention and some educational assistance and training and they're hearing about Jesus. So it is an amazing program. And if you are at the point where you're ready to say, absolutely, yes, I'm all in, just call 800-864-0200. And again, Dr. Scott Todd, who's the president of One Child, I would love to talk about how we are salt and light in a world that is really in trouble. Yeah, that, <laughs> the world is in a lot of trouble. It is. It is. And... um what is salt? It's transformative, right? It's it brings something out of uh, all that's around it, and I think light the same. It's it's um, it it illuminates. It lets you see. It shines truth. It creates visibility, clarity, all of those things. So, how do we live in such a way? And I think the answer. I mean, this is just fundamental to our walk. Is as Christ is transforming us into His own image, and as we are being remade, and the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit is there in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, when we live out of that character, that is different, right? That's not the culture. We don't see love, joy, peace, patience, and self-control and these kinds of things in our culture. If we did, think of how much better it would be. Mm -hmm. Think of all those social challenges that we face, and if people actually walked in that Spirit, Followers of Jesus living that out everywhere in the world, not just here in the U.S., everywhere in the world, it would change society. So that, I think, is how salt and light works. And I think when we gather, it's the church gathered at the gathering of believers together. That's where Scripture says 
I'm going to have my power in that in that community of believers gathered together, that they will be instruments to demonstrate my love, to do the advanced, the advancing of the work of reconciliation and restoration. And that's, uh, that's just such an incredible thing to be part of. When you think of that strategically, though, okay, so I'm a disciple and I'm going to live out my faith. And how am I going to help somebody else on their journey, whether they're don't even know anything about who God is, or maybe they've been lifelong, but they're just sort of struggling. What do we do? I think first is that we have to, honestly, we have to know that we're walking in it, right? You can't give what you don't have. So it begins with making sure that I am abiding. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There would be no fruit. So am I abiding and am I, am I genuinely experiencing the presence of the Spirit in my life? And then that will, that guidance will show you what's the word, what's the moment, what's the action that's going to help somebody else on their journey. So coming back to, we just heard the segment from the Middle East, and I was there a couple of years ago at a school, which is a one-child partner, um, one of our Hope Centers there. And, um, you know, schools in in this context, uh, it's extremely important. It's also extremely sensitive. So we're very careful with the language that we use and, and how open we are in terms of our Christian faith. But it was known at the school that there's a blending of Christian families whose kids are here and Muslim families. And I sat there and watched the playground and saw and thought, I can't, I can't tell the difference. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. They're playing together. Little Christian kids, little Muslim kids playing together. And I thought, that is kingdom work right there. Mm-hmm. That's transforming. That's relationship. That's going to be something that's going to help us build peace instead of extremism, help build understanding, help at least build respect across that religious and sometimes the cultural boundaries that are there. So what a Hope Center looks like. It can be anything from that in a context where, you know, major tectonic plates of religious forces are colliding, like in the Middle East, or it can be extreme poverty in the jungles of the southern Philippines, or it can be an urban barrio where there's gangs and, and, and drugs in the streets in Latin America. It's very different. And so you say the world's broken. It is. It's broken in my backyard. <laughs> it's broken around the world. What do we do with that? We walk with Jesus. And we demonstrate the love of God as his spirit's prompting us to. And it's no different for me as it is for the pastor of a Hope Center in Honduras. And to reach the next generation, they they catch that faith by seeing it lived in, in these adults. And they grow up and they continue in this faith. Sometimes we get discouraged thinking the church is in decline, things like that. It's actually not. If you look around the world, the rise of Christianity in the global south, the majority world as it's sometimes called, it's inspiring. So... God is at work. Children are coming to know the Lord. The Spirit is still transforming lives. All his promises of reconciling all things unto himself, they're not null and void. We just happen to be living in a in a unique moment in our history where there's so much social tension wrapped around, I would say, the amplification of polarizing voices. Mm. Why? We because we sell conflict. That's what you know, that's what happens. You can get eyes on screens. You can draw attention when you when you show the conflict. And so how do you show the conflict? You grab two extreme views and make them collide, and it, and it sells. And it's not healthy for us. Uh, we begin to believe that everybody's in one camp or the other, and in fact, most of us are not, right? We have mm-hmm. more nuanced views. Sometimes we're on this side of the issue, sometimes that. Uh, we've lost the middle. Yeah, so raising up a generation who engages in dialogue with respect and uh, and recognizes that the way to live out their faith isn't about winning an argument. It's about walking with Jesus and that abiding love flows through them into their world. Uh, that's that's what Hope Centers really are about as we partner with churches. Mm-hmm. Dr. Scott Todd is my guest. He's the president of One Child. And please go to MyFaithRadio.com 
and look at these beautiful children, look at their faces and their eyes and and just say to God, who are you leading me to sponsor? It seems like it's the most reasonable, rational thing you'd want to do. I mean, for example, Scott, you're on a bus and you bought a sandwich before you got on the bus and the bus driver makes an announcement that there's been some mechanical trouble with the bus after you're halfway on the trip and they said there's going to be about a three-hour delay and you've got a 10-year-old boy sitting next to you and you've got your sandwich. <laughs> I bet Dr. Scott Todd offers that child half of his sandwich. Oh, I I think I'd give him the whole sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you would. Well, and, yeah, and I bet every course. person listening today would do the same thing. Yeah. They would offer half a sandwich, their half a sandwich to the little boy or girl sitting next to them on the bus. They would do it. So, how do we not do that today? We can just offer them their sandwich today and then tomorrow and yeah. just keep doing it. And trust that God provided and, the sandwich in the first place and he's got more where that came from. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. love that wisdom. That's probably why they made you president. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. God's, <laughs> God's sense of humor is probably... I, I like that president. too. All right, let's talk about reaching the next generation. Yeah, so, um, you know, in child development, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about how the U.S. church has developed strategies for reaching the next generation. The the the, um, the older models that are very instructional... Um, they they just don't have a lot of wind in the sails, and so there's a there's a group that's still trying to very much teach teach. Mm-hmm. Um, a newer model is entertain entertain. Uh, it's really based on active engagement, and while you can draw them in, um, there's something missing. There's something thin. Um, but there are those who work with kids, even young kids, um, to create what they call um, contemplative reflective experiences, which is very introverted. I'm an introvert, so I can't, maybe maybe that's why I like it. But it's to create a space to ask questions of awe and wonder. And when kids are encouraged to wonder, you know, even little kids, about um, stars and mountains mm-hmm. and things that are beautiful, um, to experience art and, you know, how is that? Why is that? Um, why does that make you feel like that? To start to see God through all of these things and to um, develop their power of, it's, it's like imagination, but it's almost like spiritual eyes, I think. And then talk about those shared experiences. Um, I believe that that allows um, uh, a breathing room for kids that are otherwise caught in a very frenetic culture. And so, yeah, as moms and dads, especially with younger kids, get the screens away, let them breathe, help inspire them by asking about the world that they live in, um, and mostly about the natural world, less about the issue world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... That's one side of it. That's our side of it. On the other side of the world where there's a lack of material provision and, and people struggle in extreme poverty, um, kids face a different kind of situation. How can I believe in a loving God when everything I see around me is pain and loss? Mm. How, can, how can I believe that there's hope for me when I never had a dad, my mom is being abused, I, I have an alcoholic relative living in the house who steals all of our our the, the little income that mom can make. Nobody in my community has a good job. You know, there's a trap. And the more you're wrapped around in that, then where's spiritual formation? Where's discipleship? How does that kid begin to say, God is a good and loving father? And that is where I think we are called. We are the global church, millions of us. And God has entrusted, you're talking about sandwiches, trillions of dollars are in our hands, and it's ours to steward. 
So when we can find that room to live out our faith by being generous to those who have a real need and do that with local partners that are trustworthy. I mean, I get it that you don't want to like when you drive down the street and somebody's asking for money, it's always that question. Should I? Should I give? Am I just enabling an addiction? Am I just keeping them on the street? You know, quite possibly. That's why it's so important, and One Child works really hard, to find local partners who are trustworthy to manage those resources, to meet those needs, so that that child can believe, yes, there's a way out. Yes, there's people who love me. Yes, I am made in the image of God, and I have worth, and all of those important truths, and they grow on to become lifelong followers of Jesus, many of whom go on to then transform their communities through the jobs they take up and the way they live out their careers. They become teachers. They become police officers who don't take bribes, Mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, or they become r- radio hosts, maybe. There you go. I'm just trying to. We need one. We need a few of those. Well, yeah, I was just throwing it out there, you know. But it's a beautiful uh, picture you just painted, Scott. It's just beautiful. It's so inspiring. Thank you. For well, that. it's a joy to be part of it. Well, yeah. no, I I, I, I I have seen t- get countless testimonies. You know, there was a boy um, in one of these countries who got bullied when he was a kid, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily a gang, but a group of uh, older boys who kicked him around and they threw him into a dumpster. And then one of them stood on top of the dumpster and peed on this kid. That kid. Sorry, I got to hold it together. He grew up, graduated school, went to law school, and now he's a special rights advocate for that country. Wow. A senior level position in government. That's called resilience. Yeah. Okay, he had every reason to give up the way he was being treated, to not believe, to see himself as worthless. Yeah. And he bounced back and not just through that one trauma, but through continuous trauma because of his faith, because he believed with God all things are possible, because he wasn't going to quit. And God took what was a horrible situation and used it to bring about good, where this guy now is advancing the rights of, Across his country. Yeah. So God does take that which is bad and and create something beautiful out of it. He's a redeemer. Mm -hmm. Dr. Scott Todd is my guest. If you have been moved by this conversation, and I know you have, uh, go to MyFaithRadio.com. Get um, a look at these beautiful kids who are all hoping to be sponsored. You could be a child champion today. Go to MyFaithRadio.com or call 800-864-0200. We'll be right back. One moment. One moment. One child. One child. When my mom died, I was sad. I went to live with my uncle and aunt, but I could hear their voices talking about not having enough money to feed me and my sister. When they found the Hope Center, we were able to always have good food to eat, and I loved going to the Hope Center. Okay, her name is Tashinga. She's only 13, and she lives in Zimbabwe. She's lost her mom, and yes, she ended up living with distant relatives. So there wasn't a lot of food, but there is where a Hope Center can be such a great resource for families in extreme poverty. Tashinga is now able to get a good meal at the Hope Center. She's also getting educational assistance because we want to see her 
going to school. She's learning about Jesus. Maybe you can help Tashinga or another child just like her by becoming a sponsor for just $39 a month, and you will become a child champion, too. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com, see these faces, look at these eyes, read their stories, see what their little personalities are like. And I'm talking with Dr. Scott Todd. And, uh, Scott, before we were talking about wonder, and sometimes all you have to do is go to a zoo and watch four-year-olds, and they're amazed at what they're seeing, right? Yeah. And they're they're overwhelmed with looking at a giraffe. Yeah, their eyes light yeah. up. Can you imagine being able to recover that sense of awe? I mean, as an adult, <laughs> it would, it would be, the world would just come alive again. I know. I mean, you take a college kid to the zoo and they go, yeah, a giraffe. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> but when you live in extreme poverty and you've got predatory people living in your neighborhood and you're scared to walk down a street, uh, how much wonder do you have? How much vision do you have for your life or hope? If you don't get it at a place like a Hope Center, where are you going to find it? Yeah, that's such a tough reality. And and so many kids do lose that spirit of awe and wonder and they lose innocence far, far too early. Yeah. Um, be, simply because, yes, there's not people around them inviting them to see it. There's not opportunities to, to go and discover it. You'll still see it. Like you can see a little kid squatting down in an alley and seeing a blade of grass cracking through and, and, and he'll be wondering, how's this grass growing? It's still there. Yeah. Um, but, but the um, environment is just so... Um, I think poverty stricken is the right word that that those opportunities are not there. And so even uh, getting to a hope center and having a safe place to play, having books that they can see pictures in and have awe and wonder um, and uh, taking field trips. A lot of our hope centers will take them literally to the zoo. Um, oh, cool. That, that does happen. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, we actually also have things like tree planting initiatives. So to to help the environment, we've had. Um, thousands of trees planted in Ethiopia, and um, I think it was the Dominican Republic. So we do get kids engaged and give them experiences where they can um, feel joy and mm-hmm. see the beautiful things in the world um, that gives them real contrast with the pain and, and the hardship of their uh, where they're growing up. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear more about some of the experiences that you have had in extreme poverty because I don't know if we really understand it. We hear about it, but we don't really get it. Yeah, and honestly, I've seen it, but don't understand it personally. Okay. You can't, you can't, unless you're actually in it. In it, yeah. Um, but yeah, after 20 years of working for kids in poverty, uh, having led major HIV/AIDS programs, malaria response programs, child survival programs, um, been in over 50 countries, and I have seen everything from extreme poverty in rural, uh, remote jungle contexts to um, to urban centers, pollution, crime, all of it, and. Poverty wears many faces, uh, and they're all horrible. Um, but underneath is the one message that's the worst message, which says, you don't matter. Mm. You don't matter. You're worthless. There's no future for you. Yeah, and good luck getting out of this. Yeah, you're never getting out of this. Oof. It's a message of despair. And that lie, and that's what it is, it's a lie that comes straight from hell. It says, you don't matter and you're worthless, is the root issue because once a kid they don't believe that about themselves when they're six, when they're eight. By the age of 10, you almost can see the eyes kind of glaze over and they begin to believe the lie about themselves and they'll get they'll drop out of school. They'll they'll give up. And so in order to deal with that lie from hell, we have to bring the truth and we have to bring it early enough and mm-hmm. we have to bring it sustainably and we have to make that truth true, not just in words, but in deeds. 
And that truth is you do matter. You are made in the image of God himself. He created you with loving purpose. He has a plan for your life. He listens to your prayers. And yes, he experiences the pain that you're experiencing. He is a God who indwelled. He he became one of us and knows our own experience of suffering, even yours. Even in this little hole, in this slum, where you're growing up with this situation, he is with you. Compassion is part of who he is for you. And hope is what he has for you. You need that child to hear that message from Every adult that you can get through, right? The teacher, the coach, the youth pastor, any way that you can help that child to hear that message and begin to believe it. And being a sponsor is one of the ways that that message gets through. As a sponsor, you can write a letter that says, God has a plan for you. You can share scripture. You can say, I'm praying for you. What do you want to be when you grow up? And help the child to develop a sense of agencies, what we call it in child psychology, that is, I have will and I can make good things happen. I'm not a victim of these circumstances. I may be wrapped around by all this poverty, but I'm not defined by it. There's a better future out there for me. And with God, all things are possible. And they begin to take the steps they need to. We talked about hope earlier. So, yes, get the vision. What are you going to be when you grow up? And then how are you going to find a way? Because the world is hard and there's not an easy way to that better future. If it was easy, you would have already done it. This is going to be hard. But with God, it's possible. And that's really what hope that and we're in the hope construction business. Yeah. Right. We're trying to meet kids before they um, begin to believe the lie about themselves and uh, and sustain that candle of hope in their lives. And when they grow up and they stay in that place of hopefulness and believing that things are possible, they reach out and they build trusting relationships. They start little entrepreneurial, you know, businesses and they they are the catalyst of change. When we talk about, you know, we talk economics and big picture stuff with where societies are are struggling with conflict or extreme poverty. And there's a lot of money spent on what's called development. People are the center of development. And at the center of human development is child development. Mm -hmm. So that is a part of why. I mean, God called me into this, and I love kids, and I'm sure many of those listening love kids and would want to help a kid out. I'm speaking now at the most strategic level for social transformation as well as for the gospel, that the future of the church is reaching that next generation, building hope, helping kids to know God as a good and loving father. This is how we invest for the good of all, but also the growth of the church. So I don't know what question you started me with, but I got talking. No, I I love that. (laughs) Dr. Scott Todd is my guest. He's the president of One Child. And this is our last hour where we're doing a a live broadcast uh, encouraging you to say yes to one child and to say, you know, I've, I'm utterly convinced that God wants me to create an opportunity where I can not only uh, help a child get some food and on fresh water and medicine and educational services, but hear about the love of Jesus. But also I'll have the opportunity to send correspondence with this child. And maybe the truth that I speak into the life of that child will be something that they will hang on to for their entire life. When somebody gives you um, some encouragement or speaks truth and says, you know, one day, Scott Todd, I know you're only five and a half years old right now, but you're going to be a doctor. Yeah. And you hang on to that. You go, really? I could be a doctor? You do. Yeah. 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 And I bet um, I'm I'm sure all of us have that moment or or somebody that may have played a role like that, that you can look at. Who was your child champion? Yeah. Who was your child champion? Is there some, a teacher maybe who just sat down with you and listened to you and and said that kind of a word to you. Yeah. A lot of us have that story. Yeah. Yeah. 
And there might be a, a, a time where you forget what you say to people. You know, if, if you're an encourager, maybe in your life you've said a lot of encouraging things to people. Because I've had people come up and say to me, you said this to me once, and I never forgot it. And I said, I said that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, speak truth, encourage people, and take an opportunity to be uh, transforming one child's life. Uh, and it's going to make a huge difference in their life and in their eternity. And you can uh, learn about uh, one child at myfaithradio.com. I encourage you to do it. If you're driving, uh, of course, uh, when you get home this evening, uh, have a nice meal and go, wow, I just ate a nice meal. And there's kids uh, going to bed hungry tonight. And when kids are hungry and desperate, uh, it's really hard to, to feel sometimes um, like you have a future when yeah. you've got a, an empty tummy. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're an absolute inspiration, Dr. Scott Todd. Thank you for uh, being with me here Thanks in studio, me. In yeah, studio today. Great. And I'm great. so inspired by your story. And I love what you're doing. And I love the way you love kids. And I, I hope... That everyone listening says yes, that would be wonderful, and we'll have a tremendous response and just the joys of uh, reaching these kids for Christ and also giving them a tremendous hope in life. So uh, go to myfaithradio.com or you can call 800-864-0200. That's all the time we have for today. Have a wonderful weekend, and again, I will uh, see you next week, myfaithradio.com. Dot com one child see you next week thanks for listening programming like this is made available through your support information available at myfaithradio.com